Hi, this is Peter Rivera, and I'm the original drummer and lead singer of the group Rare Earth. We've had a long career, 50 years. We've played all over the world. We've recorded many, many albums and lots of hit singles. I'm going to talk about them all. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the stories. The California Jam had three flat tracks and the, the middle car flatbed was the center of the stage and behind the big elaborate stage was box or flatbed number two and flatbed number three so when a band was on stage on the middle flatbed stage the next band was getting set up on either one of the outside flatbeds. So when one band was through, they'd roll the whole train to the right, and the, the far left flatbed is now the stage. And then the same thing happens on the two that are hidden to the right. It was really engineered well. It, it just worked fine. So again, that was the Cal Jam, and I wanted to tell you that we had been called about Woodstock. And all that we could find out about Woodstock was that it seemed to be uh, not orderly, uh, you know, not precision, uh, too many unanswered things. So we opted out of going to Woodstock. Uh, in hindsight, you know, it would have been probably really good for the band to go there, but we didn't go. In fact, the next year, we did a thing called the Atlanta Pop Festival. And that was a big deal, too. I mean, we, when we got to the surrounding area, we were going down a little two-lane road. Cars are bumper to bumper. People are all over, and you still got like a mile and a half till you get to the stage area. It was incredible. There were just, you know, people everywhere on the side of hills and going through the grass to get to the Atlanta Pop Festival. So I don't remember exactly a whole lot about the Atlanta Pop Festival other than this one thing that happened that I was involved in. I'll always remember that. We had, it was... Uh, Backstage, and this was the first time at the Atlanta Festival that we were going to do the song Losing You. It was right after we had recorded it, and it was already getting played on the radio, and we spent time in the rehearsals going over it, over it, over it. So we're backstage at the Atlanta Pop Festival. We got about like an hour to go some refreshments were there and I drank some of this refreshment and okay no big deal but about 20 minutes before our showtime I'm sitting in a chair backstage and I I looked up at there was a couple of street lights on poles right there and I looked up at them and, and I noticed something funny that the light on the pole was was oval shaped and I thought to myself that's a round light why does it look oval well, it didn't take long to know that I had been spiked. 
with I assume could have been LSD I assume I don't know anyways it was time to go up on the stage and I became really panicked paranoid I don't know if I can do this I, I don't know and the next thing I know I was sitting at the drums we hadn't played yet but I'm sitting there and I'm looking down at the drums and I'm wondering you know what are these things what do you do with these things so I was really tripping and the, I, I always thought that when you're tripping like that that everybody would know it because certainly my eyes to the outside people got to look as crazy as the way they're looking to me from the inside so anyways you know I we were on stage and the next thing that I knew was we were through with the song losing you and all I can think of it's like sometimes when we drive a car and we get somewhere we don't know how we got there we question as to whether we saw the other traffic at all anyways it was that kind of thing song was over and uh, that was about the third song we did and I don't remember a thing about any of the songs so when our show kind of went on and on and on and we finally came to the end of it you know I had come down pretty good and and things were good and we finished the show and the crowd loved it we had a great great time and so here I am walking down the steps of the stage in the back and I'm got a towel you know and just then this limousine pulls up to the bottom of the stage there and I'm standing there you know with a towel and the back door of the limo opens up and this guy puts his foot down and he's got a boot like some kind of cowboy boot kind of crazy looking you know and I wasn't paying too much attention to it and then the, the person gets out of the limo and he goes, hey, man, how you doing? I said, hey, I'm doing fine, Jimmy. Yeah, it was Jimi Hendrix. And I just acknowledged the fact, okay, Jimi Hendrix is great. What a fun thing to see him. You know? So they were there for just a few minutes and then went up on the stage. And he started with one song. I think it was uh, Voodoo Child. And I remember seeing the entire 300,000 people, just all, you could hear a pin drop. And Jimmy was doing that guitar lick to Voodoo Child. And all of a sudden, the crowd just swelled up. I mean, it was like the place was growing like a, like a biscuit in the oven. It's just, it's just huge. And Jimmy was playing. And you know, that, that's about all I remember from that night at the Atlanta Pop Festival. So here we are back again to the, to the Cal Jam. A great, fun thing. In between all that was many uh, places we played and, and uh, you know, around the Cal Jam. That wasn't the only show we had, but those are those are some of the biggies oh I remember that when we first started out we played get ready at Madison uh, not Madison Square but at Carnegie Hall yeah we 
we open to Blood, Sweat, and Tears and Steppenwolf. Carnegie Hall. Hey, there's Carnegie Hall. There's a notch in our gun. So now we leave Carnegie Hall and I don't know where we went from there, but uh, that was kind of cool to do that. I will tell you this. I'm skipping around, I know, but it's okay. When we came to California, we were booked in the Anaheim Convention Center. <laughs> yeah. And they put a billboard of us on Sunset Boulevard right across the street from the the hotel that we stayed in, which is the Hyatt the Regency Hyatt Hotel on Sunset Boulevard. It's the hotel where all the rock and roll people stayed. That's what they tell us anyway. When we got to the Hyatt, uh, we were in the lobby and I took my suitcase. I went up to my room and after I was in my room, I wanted to get a newspaper. So I came back down, got a newspaper. When I went back to my room, my suitcase had been gone through. And I had like $1,500 in an envelope, and that was gone. I never did figure anything out on that, but sorry, that's my, my Hello Hollywood story. So it's 1983 now, and, and uh, we had broken up totally again with the band. And the trucks was not an issue, and the road manager, the roadies, everyone was squared away and things were over. Things were just over. I, mean, I don't think that I had the ability to think ahead as to what's going to happen. I was home, I was enjoying my kids, and I wasn't worried about, you know, what to do. I, lo I love music and I want to play it all the time, but what to do about you know, going out to work or putting together a new band, all that, I just kind of went, ugh, I just don't know what I'm going to do. So for the time being, I just enjoyed my kids. In 1978, I had a son. And it was unbelievable, just unbelievable. And everything was great. Time went on, we were just raising our little baby and having fun with him, and I was still going on the road, you know, with, with the, the guys. And then my other son was born in 1980. So now I got two boys, and I'm, I'm, I'm home a lot, but I'm also gone a lot. I happened to be home when they were born, of course. 1982, we were pregnant with what turned out to be my daughter on the road with Rare Earth. It was getting close to the time the baby would be coming. And I'm on the road in Florida, playing all the cities in Florida. So there was a club in Cocoa Beach called Brassies. And we were playing at Brassies and just before we played, a phone call came in that it was time, the baby was coming. And here I was in Florida, a little bit more of me to resent being gone so long. 
I did not make it home for her birth, but I was there the very next morning. So uh, it was okay. It was we were good, you know. Hey, that's the way life is, and, and it was okay. We were good. So I had a little girl. And you know, I'm not going to get into each each child and all that because lots of people have kids. So you know, we had our stuff, our family stuff that was just phenomenal. I never had too hard of a time with not being with rare earth anymore. In fact, I felt relieved. And I really, really enjoyed being with my kids and raising them. You know, going to preschool with the oldest one and, you know, being around. I, I, I loved watching them and, and you know, I was always taking pictures and just loving it, you know. And um, I never thought that leaving rare earth was going to be the end of anything. It was just merely another part of the voyage, a voyage that I knew when I was 10 years old that I wanted to make all the way. And I've always felt that, that I was blessed and fortunate enough to, you know, play the drums and play with accordion players and get with the sunliners and do all that stuff that I've done up until this point. I, I was I was thrilled and it was something that I want, never wanted to end. I still don't want it to end. And so I don't look at the end. I just look at what we're doing right now. And I was having a good time, having a good time. And the, the years started trickling on, you know, and I wasn't doing too much music. However, there was a friend of mine in California that was a guitar player and a good one, real good one. And he had a band called Janie and the Cruisers. And his wife was Janie. And so I was telling my family that, hey, I haven't played drums in a while. I wonder if I can still do it. Uh, gee, I don't know. What do you think? So my friend said, why don't you come sit in with us? So I did. I went to a club where they were playing and I went and sat in and I just had a great time. We were doing all old songs, real old songs, like from the 50s and the 60s. And I was just trying to be a good drummer and sing a few of the tunes. And I said to my family that I think I probably need at least six months to, to get my chops back. Well, I didn't need six months. I needed one night. But I had committed to Chuck to join Janie and the Cruisers, and I would give him six months. So I used to drive 63 miles each way, five days a week, cut across Southern California into the, the valley and play with Janie and the Cruisers. And like I say, one night I had my, ch my chops back, and so I just thought, well, I'm not really doing anything else music-wise. Why don't I just keep going and cause keep up at my end of the commitment, which was six months. So I stayed with them. And uh, 
it was okay. You know, it, it was just kind of strange because I was back like being in a an unknown, complete band. But it was it was still great fun. It was music, so I, I was getting my juice anyway. So that went on for just a little while until changes started happening. Well, thanks for listening. My name is Peter Rivera, original lead singer-drummer of Rare Earth, and I really appreciate that you've listened to these podcasts. I hope you come back and check out more. I've got a lot ahead of us and a lot of the story for you, so come on back and hang with me for a while.